So we are continuing our Christmas series this morning as we are experiencing the world changer. And as we know in our world today, uh, we are all in need of hope and joy and the warm feelings that come with Christmas. We need to experience something that is real and something that we know can actually change our world. And we think about, again, this theme for this year, I don't think it's any more relevant uh, than then this year in 2020 of it, we realized just maybe not just even about our world, but even about our own lives and own hearts, right, about things that maybe need to change. As I said a couple weeks ago, we know we started out 2020 and kind of the theme of, of everything for 2020 was clear vision, right? When you think about though a year ago now as we bring 2020 to the end, it, it definitely was not what we expected, right? But I think we have definitely seen a lot of things that needed changing. And with that said, we, we can, uh, you know, find all of this and more in the Christ child. And as we celebrate uh, this Christmas season, our, our theme verse uh, for as we experience the world changer uh, comes out of Isaiah, this prophetic verse in Isaiah 9, 6, and it says, for a child is born to us, a son is given to us, and the government will rest on his shoulders, and he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. And during these, these, these weeks of Advent, again, of, of expectantly waiting for the gift of the Christ child to arrive, we are, are looking at each description from this verse of the Christ child and exploring how Jesus fulfills this role in our lives as we continue in our faith journey. And we started Advent with the candle of hope with our celebration Sunday, and we saw how God truly is the wonderful counselor, how God guides everyone as he pursues us with love and transforms us to be more like him with every step forward in our journey. And then last week, we looked at the candle of love and and how Jesus is the mighty hero in our lives and how uh, he, he... he rises above everything else in our life if we truly embrace the real Jesus. And when we encounter the real Jesus, we will never be the same afterwards. And today, then, we have lit the candle of joy. And the next term that's described in, in this Isaiah verse right, is the everlasting Father. And when we look at all of these descriptions, I mean, at, at the wonderful counselor, the mighty God, the everlasting father, we, we realize that, that the real Jesus cannot be defined using one description. Right? If we see these four that are presented in this verse, and we see many others throughout scripture that, that describe the person of Jesus and all that is encompassed in the Christ child and, and realize that, that human language just doesn't do it justice, right? That, that Jesus is way more than we can describe. And what is fascinating, though, about this title is that it is describing Jesus, right? That is, is referred to by Isaiah as the everlasting father. If you, you think about, you know, Jesus and the, the, the Trinity and the different roles of the Trinity, we have God the Father, God the Son, right? And the Holy Spirit, and, and yet this verse is it's describing the Son of the Trinity, and yet ascribes the title of Everlasting Father. It's, 
as we see this, again, Jesus is not God the Father, and yet the God the Father and God the Son are still united as one God. In fact, Jesus himself addressed this irony in John 14, 7, right? Where he says, if you had really known me, then you would know who my father is. And from now on, you do know him and you have seen him. Again, even the concept of the Trinity is one that's hard for, for our, our human minds to, to understand, Right? And we know we've had all these different illustrations of the Trinity, and, and, you know, but yet many of them fall short. In fact, they all fall short because it's an illustration, right? They're not God. About how can we have one God that is manifested in three different ways? But yet that's the way we see Scripture describing, even here as Jesus describes, that he is the Messiah, the, the Son of God, and yet he is just like the Father. He represents the Father. As he says, if you know me, then you will know the Father. Charles Spurgeon, who was a, a famous theologian and scholar, um, and, and again, one that, that many refer to uh, as we study the scriptures, he, he found this same concept very amazing. A, a pretty famous quote from Charles Spurgeon says, How complex is the person of our Lord Jesus Christ? Almost in the same breath, the prophet calls him a child and a counselor, a son and an everlasting father. And you see this, all of these roles are described here in Isaiah 9.6. And while we can barely comprehend this divine mystery, we at the same time trust that this is a true fact of Jesus. right? Because we believe in the Bible and we believe in what it teaches and, and what it says. That Jesus was both human and divine. That he was the son and father. That he was the child and the Lord. Again, this is a miracle that comes to us in the Christmas season. Because Jesus truly can be our everlasting father. As I said, we lit the candle of joy this morning. And just as that video said at the very beginning of the service, um, we saw that, that for some, our earthly fathers bring up memories of joy. And yet, maybe for others, it brings up something different. Because the truth is that our, our earthly fathers are unique. Right? And the way that we've interacted with our earthly fathers might affect the way that we even respond to this title for Jesus and even the, the perspective of thinking about God as our heavenly father. Now, no matter what your earthly father was like, we rest in God as being a good father. Because the truth is, even the best earthly fathers will fall short. And even those that are really good at fatherhood will still fall short and will let their kids down at some point. I, I'll tell you just, again, that's one of the things that I love the most is being a dad. Right? And I have four kids and, and there have been definitely times in my life, right, that I have fallen short for them. But I feel like there's been times when I've been a really good dad, right? And yet I also know that ultimately, whether I fail my kids or I'm the best um, in the moment, just no matter what, I know right, that, that I, I'm doing my best for them. And that I hope that, that their memory of me as their father um, doesn't 
negatively affect their view of God as their heavenly father. Right? And, and yet we know that, that there are times, again, as dads that we just mess up. Right? Now, sometimes it's humorous. A lot of times, right, when you think about dads and their kids and when they mess up or fall short, it's a little bit humorous. I'll, I'll tell you, with, with my boys, as they have grown up, um, we established pretty early on that there are some things you just don't tell mom about. Hey, and, and, and there are times, right, and sometimes I have to remind them, right, on their, on their way home, we'd be like, okay, now remember, there are some things you just don't tell mom about. And again, I, I really enjoy being a dad of, of boys, and again, as many of you know, we have three boys, and, and that we have raised them, and, and, and again, being a dad of boys is a lot of fun for a dad. Right, in fact, this is now, they're all teenagers now, and, and just, this is a phase that I was looking forward to, right, in that now I get to just go hang out and play with my kids, right, even though that now, though, I don't always win, which is still frustrating, right, but, but again, raising boys is, is fun, but then, as many of you know, now we have a daughter, right, and she's two, and I would say raising a girl is very different than raising boys, and, and as, as I realize that, again, as she comes up, I'm like, I'm learning to be a dad all over again, right? And I'll tell you, right, there are some things that are really good and some things that are just really are a struggle. And I'll tell you, one of the things that struggle the most with raising a daughter is doing her hair. I never had to do that with the boys, right? Like, just kind of dry it off and off we go, right? But yeah, the hair, I tell you, it's just very interesting. And, you know, you know as, we, as we think about that and realize, I just kind of stumbled upon this, you know, on the internet and realized that dad definitely did her hair. <laughs> right? Again, look at that. And I'm like, you know, that seems like something I might do. <laughs> right? Just, and you realize that. Now, again, you know, this, and this, has gone, this means gone all, all over social media, right? You know a dad did this. Right? Will you put my hair in a bun? Right? Her, if, if you can't see that picture, her hair is literally in a hot dog bun. Right? And, and, and we know we, we, have, we have challenges as dads, right? just as parents. Again, if you're, if you're not an earthly father, you, you know and can identify with the challenges that come. And, and, but the reality is that where earthly fathers fall short, Jesus fulfills. Right? Where earthly fathers fall short, Jesus fulfills. Right? And whether you're a dad or not, you can identify with that, right? Because even... Um, the fact you're here means you have an earthly father, and, and if you have an earthly father, it means that he, he let you down at some point. And yet when we think about that, how earthly fathers, every earthly father will fall short, but Jesus fulfills. Right? When we think about this, again, this, this description, even of just the faith community about being a family as, a, as the church family, it still can be a struggle for many people depending on their family of origin. And yet the reality in our world today is that there are far too many absent fathers in our world. And when we realize that fact, we know, again, it's not a far leap for us to accept the fact that earthly fathers fall short. But then when we take that, even as an example, though, of how Jesus fills in the gaps that are in our lives. No matter how good of a father you strive to be, there are just some things that you cannot do for your kids. Right? And moms, you can identify with this as well, right? No matter how good of a parent you are, no matter how much you pray for them, no matter how, how faithful you are, there are just some things you just can't do for them. 
As, as we think about that and just step into this concept, I want to uh, dive into this text this morning out of Mark chapter 9, verses 14 to 27. If you have your Bible with you, I invite you to open with me to Mark chapter 9. Uh, if you're here with us in person, you'll notice there are Bibles available for you in the seats so you're welcome to use, and you'll see the page number there uh, is where you can find this passage in those Bibles. Now, if you have your own Bible, please open up. You're with us online. I invite you to open up your Bible with you as well. And again, this is a story that has always just fascinated me. Um, one, just as a dad, but I think just this interaction that happens with Jesus here in Mark 9. Um, and, and just kind of um, as we step into this story, again, this is a story of an earthly dad right, that has to turn to Jesus for help. Mark 9, starting at verse 14. It says, when they returned to the other disciples, they saw a large crowd surrounding them. And some teachers of religious law were arguing with them. And when the crowd saw Jesus, they were overwhelmed with awe, and they ran to greet him. What is all this arguing about, Jesus asked. And one of the men in the crowd spoke up and said, teacher, I brought my son so you could heal him. He is possessed by an evil spirit that won't let him talk. And whenever this spirit seizes him, it throws him violently to the ground. And then he foams at the mouth and grinds his teeth and becomes rigid. So I asked your disciples to cast out the evil spirit, but they couldn't do it. And Jesus said to them, you faithless people, how long must I be with you? How long must I put up with you? Bring the boy to me. So they brought the boy, and when the evil spirit saw Jesus, it threw the child into a violent convulsion, and he fell to the ground, writhing and foaming at the mouth. How long has this been happening? Jesus asked the boy's father. And he replied, since he was a little boy. The Spirit often throws him into the fire, into water, trying to kill him. Have mercy on us and help us if you can. What do you mean if I can, Jesus asked. Anything is possible if a person believes. And the father instantly cried out, I do believe, but help me overcome my unbelief. And when Jesus saw that the crowd of onlookers was growing, he rebuked the evil spirit. Listen, you spirit that makes this boy unable to hear and speak. He said, I command you to come out of this child and never enter him again. And then the spirit screamed and threw the boy into another violent convulsion and left him. The boy appeared to be dead. A murmur ran through the crowd as people said, he's dead. But Jesus took him by the hand and helped him to his feet. And he stood up. Now I know what you're thinking. This passage has nothing to do with Christmas. <laughs> Why are we reading this story today? You might be thinking something else, but, but, but I'll tell you, is I think this story has a lot to do with Christmas. Right? As we see this interaction with Jesus, there's, there's a lot in this passage. and In fact, there's a lot more than we have time to dig, in, dig into. But, but for today, right, whether you're actually a father or not, I want you to think about and identify for a moment how the father in this story is feeling. We realize that he's caught in a situation that he has no control over. Right? We, we see that, again, his son has been dealing with this, and he's watching. He's been dealing with this with his son for, for years. Right? And, and, and you can imagine, again, as a parent, how, how much this dad has done and tried for his kid. And yet he realizes he has no control over the situation. His heart is broken in the fact that, that he can't fix it for his son. Right? And, and you, you can sense, again, that, that, that 
he had this hope, right? He hears about this person, Jesus, and, and the miracles that he's doing. He's like, that, that's my last shot, right, to help my son in this, this situation I can't control. And, and that, that just continues to, to, to plague him and break my heart is I'll bring him to Jesus. And you can even sense once he finally gets to Jesus, he'd already, the disciples had already met with him and, and tried to help him, right, through the power of God, and yet they were unsuccessful, and you can, you can sense the, the loss of hope in this man once he finally sees Jesus face to face. And again, seeing that the disciples can't help, that there's a, a crowd coming around, and, and again, we, we see that he, all of his hope is gone. And then we see, though, this, this response of him in verse, starting at the, in verse 22. Right? As, as the father cries out, have mercy on us and help us if you can. See, he has no hope. He's at the end of his rope. Right? He's at rock bottom. I mean, that's, that is the definition of rock bottom. But then notice Jesus' response. What do you mean if I can? Anything is possible if a person believes. And then we're here in verse 24, which I believe is one of the most honest verses in all of Scripture. Right? As the Father cries out, I do believe, but help me overcome my unbelief. This is one of the most honest places I think that anybody ever gets in all of Scripture. Right, Jesus says, hey, all you have to do is believe. And he's like, oh, I do believe Jesus, right? In fact, he's, he knows that. I mean, he's there. Right? The fact that he's even in front of Jesus shows how much he believes in Jesus. And yet, he asks Jesus, but help me overcome my unbelief. He's saying like, Jesus, I, I, I'm discouraged. I've lost all hope. I don't know what else to do. I do believe in you, but I, I also am just at a loss for words. And that is the most incredibly honest place that we could ever get to. It's just burying our soul at the feet of Jesus. I do believe in you, but, but there is so much that I need. So much that I can't do. My heart cannot be more broken of this situation and I feel completely helpless. Right, and as we see this, right, then... This, this honest, this humble, and 100% open place of this father. When you realize that you have no control over a situation, that your heart is broken, that you can't fix it, and all your hope is gone, we need to do exactly what this father did. Turn to Jesus. Lay it at, the, at his feet and say, Jesus, I do believe you but help me with where I fall short. Help me with my unbelief. Again, this is a place that we can all identify with, isn't it? Even the, 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 the greatest you know, um, historical figures within the Christian faith, even they got to this place. We see King David. Right? We see as he writes in Psalms 27, but he says, even if my father and mother abandon me, the Lord will hold me close. 
And he knew that, right? I mean, David got to this place many times in his life where, where he felt like there was no hope and he had nowhere else to go and all that he could do was turn to God. He said, even when all of the earthly people abandon me and I have nowhere else to go, I know that the Lord is with me. And when we realize that, right, this is, again, that's, this is the fact, this is what Christmas is all about, right, is that God looks at us and says, I, you get to this place, and then that's where I will step in. I'll send my son. Right, the light of the world enters the darkness. The fatherless get an everlasting father. Right, the, the orphan finds a family in God. And, and we, we realize, though, that we have to get to this place. Because where earthly fathers fall short, Jesus fulfills. He stands in the gap. But our everlasting father doesn't stop there. But also, our everlasting father is relational and loving. And we find that in the person of Jesus. Again, the four titles we are given for Jesus in Isaiah 9 this one, this heavenly father, is the most personal one. It's the one that speaks directly to a relationship that we can understand. It's a relationship that we share love and that our needs are met. Again, Jesus is not just our savior not, or our counselor or our mighty God or our victorious Messiah. I mean, he is all of those things. But Jesus is also our everlasting father. The perfect expression of God's love. And in him coming to earth, Jesus stretched out God's love to establish a relationship with humanity. And so Jesus is our everlasting father, the one who pursued a relationship with us as humans because of his deep love. Right? Our heavenly father is, is entire, highly relational right? and is incredibly loving. In another verse, it's a very famous verse, right? It comes out of John 3, 16 and 17. It says, for this is how God loved the world. He gave his one and only son so that everyone who believes in him will not perish but have eternal life. And God sent his son into the world, not to judge the world, but to save the world through him. Again, this is a very famous verse because it, it, it clearly just establishes what the gospel message is. But, but again, this also is the perfect Christmas verse. Because it starts out, for this is how God loved. Right? He loves the world. He loves the world because he's an everlasting father. He's, he's filled with love and he shares that world and he gives that love to the world. But you see again why it's such a perfect Christmas verse. Because the next one, right, he loves so much that he gave. Why do we give gifts at Christmas? Because it matches what God did for us. Right? He gave. He gave. What did he give? He gave the ultimate gift. He gave his son. God took that love and he put it into action in sending the Christ child. God says, I'm not just going to say I love you. I will show you that I love you, right? He sent his son. And he sent that son on a mission. He was sent for a purpose, and that purpose was 
to solve the relationship problem that we have with God through our sin. Again, we talked about last week about the veil, right? And about the relationship and how our our relationship is cut off to God because of our sin. And, And yet that was the mission of the Messiah was to tear that veil, to restore that relationship. The motivation for that was love, but yet, again, this Christ child who grew up and died on the cross and rose again on the third day restores true relationship if we accept him as our Savior. And we also know, again, this everlasting Father is relational and loving, and this everlasting Father is always with us. His presence is with us. And as you said, I, I, I honestly believe one of the things that's plaguing our world the most right now is absent fathers. And yet when you look at that, the reality is that God is never absent. That the everlasting Father is always with us. We see in Deuteronomy, I mean, this is just the character of God from the very beginning, all the way at the beginning of the Bible, right? In Deuteronomy 31.8, He was telling the nation of Israel, do not be afraid or discouraged for the Lord will personally go ahead of you. He will be with you. He will neither fail you nor abandon you. And those words are just as true today as they were those thousands of years ago. Right? Is that our heavenly father is always with us. And the, the reality is if God is leading you in a certain direction to do something in your life, he will pave the way. That's exactly what that verse says. He will open the doors. He will provide the resources, right? If God's leading you in a way, if he's blessing it, he will make a way. He's going ahead of you. And so we don't need to be afraid. We also see here in in Jesus' words in the Great Commission, in the very, very end of it, his last words before he ascends to heaven and passes the baton onto us, the church, right? In spreading the gospel, these very last words of the Great Commission Jesus says, and be sure of this, I am with you always, even to the end of the age. Again, this same theme, right, that runs through all of Scripture is that God is with us. In fact, that's one of the titles we see in, in, for the Christ child, right? He's called Emmanuel, God with us. That's what that name means. Right, that God left heaven and he came to earth through the Christ child. The heavenly Everlasting Father is always with us. I tell you, there's been lots of reports and studies recently just about our culture and about how this and this pandemic and how we've dealt with it as a culture. And and again, it's coming out that the isolation that has come through this pandemic has affected people in ways that we never knew it would. Right? In fact, even introverts, right, who at first were like, Yay, stay home order, that's awesome. I don't have to interact with people. Even they are struggling with the isolation. And I'll tell you, from the Seidel house is a house full of extroverts, and I just can, you can only imagine what our house has been like. <laughs> right, isolation affects us in so many ways because we are created for relationship. Right, relationship with God and relationship with each other, and when we cut that off, it is damaging. But our everlasting Father is is always with us. And our everlasting Father also protects and provides for his children. 
He protects and provides for his children. Again, Matthew 23, 37. These are, again, the words of Jesus is, as this last week of his life, and he's looking, again, at Jerusalem, and, and Jesus says, Oh, Jerusalem, Jerusalem, the city that kills the prophets and stones God's messengers. How often I have wanted to gather your children together as a hen protects her chicks beneath her wings, but you wouldn't let me. Again, that's a very descriptive verse, isn't it? When you think of how much that God wants to protect us as his children, and how much do we push him away. But you wouldn't let me. And, and this, again, verse, this is Jesus was talking about Jerusalem and about Israel at that time. I mean, the same thing applies to us today. I, this shows the heart of who God is, of how he's truly an everlasting father. He wants to protect us. He wants to provide for us. And yet so many times we kick and scream and push him away. Sometimes, again, we see here even this level of frustration right? that even Jesus has. And yet sometimes, again, even in our own life, we can all identify with those times of frustration. Sometimes those times of frustration are really protections. I mean, sometimes when I just, some, nothing's going right, or, you know, your, your car breaks down, you're, you have that morning where it's just so late, and, and you're just frustrated, and yet, you know, even maybe those times when God says no to you in prayer, sometimes during those frustrating times, it can be like, okay, maybe God is protecting me right now. Right? Maybe he's providing for me in a way that I don't even see. I'll tell you, as, as I look back at my life and, and look back at all the different prayers that I prayed through the different seasons of my life and different seasons of my faith, is there are some prayers that I can look back now and like, thank you, Lord, for not giving me that. Thank you, Lord, for not sending me down that road at that time in my life because now I can see how damaging it would have been had God granted that prayer. How many times have we pushed God away in frustration when he's like, just let me provide for you, let me protect you? Right, John 16, Jesus says, I have told you all this so that you may have peace in me because here on earth you will have many trials and sorrows. But take heart because I have overcome the world. Thank you, my everlasting Father, for giving me that hope and, and knowing Right, that I have an everlasting Father. Right, that, that Jesus has already overcome the world. That there is nothing that is a surprise to God. And there is nothing that he is not powerful enough to overcome. But thank you that I have a Father that is truly everlasting. At the beginning and the end. The Alpha and the Omega. And that he is the all-powerful God who wins in the end. Again, as we think about this, this description of Jesus, of the everlasting Father, right, we, we realize once again that wherever we fall short, Jesus fulfills his role as our everlasting Father. And again, there are time, places and times in my life, again, that I know I've fallen short, I'm sure you can come up with many ways in your life as well where you have fallen short. 
But can we again come to the foot of Jesus, of, of Jesus right? and be just like this father in Mark 9, right, who cries out, I do believe, but help me overcome my unbelief. Because the, the truth is this is a place, right? If we can get to that place with our own mind and our own heart, right? That is a place then when, when God looks at us and says, good, now that you're here, now we can really do something together. Right? Now we can move forward. This is a very powerful place to be, the honest, humble, and open place. Because when you realize you have no control over a situation, when your heart is broken, you can't fix it, and all your hope is gone, that's when our everlasting Father steps in. In 2 Corinthians chapter 12, verses 8 through 10, and this is, again, the thought I want to leave with you today. And we see this even in a biblical figure in Paul. You see, again, how he even was in this place and how God stepped in for him. You see here, he says, three different times I begged the Lord to take it away. And each time he said, my grace is all you need. My power works best in weakness. So now I'm glad to boast about my weaknesses so that the power of Christ can work through me. And that's why I take pleasure in my weaknesses and in the insults, the hardships, the persecutions, the troubles that I suffer for Christ. For when I am weak, then I am strong. Because when we are weak, that's when we can can cry out to Jesus and say, Jesus, I believe, but help me with my unbelief. When I am weak, it's when God's power takes over and he can do miracles that I could never do on my own. Because when I fall short, Jesus steps in. Again, wherever you're at in your faith today, and maybe you're here today and, and, and you're just hearing about God, maybe for the first time, maybe you've heard about God for years, but yet you've never been to that place where you say, okay, I believe it helped me overcome. The first way that Jesus helps me overcome my unbelief is by saving me. As I confess my sins and invite him into my life, he forgives me and cleanses me of all unrighteousness, and, and I move from God's creation to God's child and that moment of salvation. And if you've never done that before, I, I hope that you would open your heart to Christ today. Right? That you would pray to him and just confess, I do believe it, help me overcome my unbelief. Right? I invite you into my life, I confess my sins, forgive me, become my everlasting father. And if he already is your father, I hope that you are truly living into your full identity as his child. Which leads me to my final thought today, and that is this. No matter what your perception of an earthly father is, the everlasting father is always there for you. So are you living as a child of the one true king? He said that starts with receiving him as your savior, and then that continues to be as you're transformed through every step of your journey as you grow closer to Christ tomorrow than you are today. Like I said, I don't know what's going on in your life. I don't know where you're at in your faith. I don't know what you need to just lay at the feet of Jesus today, but I hope that you will truly do that. As we close our service today, we're going to sing one song together. And as we do that, I just invite you to, to respond and, and, and invite your everlasting father to step in the gap for you. Again, if you could do that in your seat, you can pray and respond in your seat and that's fine. But if you want to put action to that commitment, 
you can come forward to pray. You can come over to this side and you can stand or kneel and pray. Nobody will bother you. You'll be by yourself. And if you go again over here, somebody will be there to meet with you, talk with you, and pray with you. But let's stand together as we respond and thank our everlasting Father for stepping in. We praise you today, Lord, for being our everlasting Father. God, for pursuing us. God, for desiring a relationship with us so strongly, God, that you put action to your love and you sent your son on a mission. And God, we know the Christ child represents a lot of things. But Lord, we thank you today that you are with us, that you will never forsake us or abandon us, Lord. That even when we push you away, God, you continue to pursue us. And God, I pray that as we go through this Christmas season, Lord, that we would truly accept you as our everlasting Father. God, that we would move forward in our faith with you. God, that we would trust you and be to that honest, humble, and open place. And God, that, that through us and through our walk with you as we grow in our own faith, God, we will be continually showing this world what the Christ child is really about. God, that your light would shine through our lives and, and our our families and, and our jobs and, and our interactions with everybody, Lord, that we would represent you well, or that your light would shine through your church into this dark world. God, help us to fulfill everything you need us to do, God, because we know we're weak, but Lord, we rest in your power. Lord, do miracles in our lives, in our families, in our community, God, in our world. We thank you for being our everlasting Father. Guide us as we go today. In Jesus' name.